Please join me in prayer. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented, and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The word of the Lord.
Today's gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 14 through 20. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. The beginning of the good news starts today with this passage from the Gospel of Mark. And hearing it and reading it again this week, I found myself asking the question, why now? What made this particular moment in human history the moment when the fullness and presence of God's promises were to be made real? Why is this time, the time, the kingdom of heaven comes near? David Lose, a Lutheran pastor and professor, asked this question in his reflections on today's passage, and he identifies three reasons, three reasons why he thinks the time was right for God to break in. The first is that it was a time of crisis. Israel had been living under the oppression of Rome for quite a while, and the threat had become both an external threat but also an internal one. Herod and his people were complicit in the Roman occupation, to be sure, but they were also so corrupt, they were unable to look after anyone's interests but their own. This failure of leadership and the stink of corruption that permeated their rule is the backdrop for John the Baptist's arrest, the event that propels Jesus into action. It's a time of crisis. Second reason why this is the time is that Jesus is ready. He is ready for action. He has just received God's blessing in his baptism. He knows who he is and why he came and to whom he belongs. And this God-given identity, this confidence given to him by the Spirit, allows him to announce the coming of God's kingdom, even though this announcement is accompanied by a challenging call for repentance. The time is, is just right. The people are in crisis, and Jesus is confident in his calling. But there is one more reason that this is the time. There are people ready, eager even, for some good news. Are you ready? Are you ready for some good news? Are you ready to receive news that brings people together instead of tearing them apart? 
Are you ready for news that is both challenging and hopeful? News that tells the truth and offers all of us a way forward together. Are you ready for words that inspire and draw bigger and bigger circles to include instead of deeper and deeper lines to separate? Because if you are ready, the time, I think, is right. We are in a time of crisis, both personal and communal. And I believe Jesus is ready, eager even, to call to us today like he called out to those fishermen on the shores of Galilee. Legend has it that one day a renowned scribe of the people was sitting quietly by the roadside as he contemplated life, the faith, and the finer points of the law. A large, noisy crowd began to rumble by. The scribe was intrigued by all the activity, so he asked one of the people passing by what was going on. A woman shouted excitedly, Jesus is here! Jesus is coming! Now, the scribe had been curious to meet this Jesus fellow. Despite his odd choice of friends and his disregard for the finer points of the law, the scribe had to admit there was something about Jesus. And so he joined the growing crowd. After some walking, suddenly everyone came to a halt, and a powerful silence descended upon the people. As the scribe looked up and around, he saw Jesus walking through the crowd, talking with people and healing them. As he watched this, as he watched Jesus, a a cry welled up deep from within him, a cry that even surprised him. And yet he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Those who had led the way rebuked the scribe and told him to be quiet. But the scribe shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. As Jesus came near, he stopped and asked the distinguished man to approach him. When the scribe came near, Jesus touched him and said, Your faith has healed you. And at that moment, the scribe was made blind, no longer able to see. Now, when the people saw what had happened, they were horrified. But Jesus, legend has it, paid no attention. Instead, he put his hand on the shoulder of the scribe and whispered, You'll be blind for but a while, and then you will see. To this, the man replied with a smile, Oh, Lord, it does not matter. For the moment you touched me, I saw all that I ever needed to see. Are you ready to receive the good news? Are you eager to be given a vision for your life and for our world that is defined not by the confining categories we cling to, but instead by God's presence and God's power? Are you ready to receive the forgiveness God freely offers? Are you ready for the good news that the kingdom of God, the realm of God, it's here? I have a colleague who has this theory. He's been a pastor for most of his life, 40 plus years. He has seen the decline in the church and the struggles the church has been through. And he believes that after 2,000 years of existence, at the turn of a new century, all the church really has left to offer the world, he believes, is the gospel and the one who delivers it. 
He believes over the last century, popular culture has picked the carcass of the church clean, leaving only Jesus and his good news. No longer is the church the primary place of connection, the source of community and social contacts. Other platforms have taken on that responsibility. No longer is the church the most efficient vehicle for outreach and mission. NGOs and local nonprofits are now the primary way services are received and given to those in need. No longer is a church a player really on the political landscape, blessing politicians or rallying people to get out the vote. We've given away too much of our social capital. Youth groups are replaced by school communities, public and private. Youth groups and fellowship opportunities are replaced by sports and social networks of all shapes and sizes. And young people really don't come to church anymore looking for friends. They have plenty of friends or even looking for a life partner. This is not where typically people meet other people. There are apps for that now. My point is, his point, is that the culture has picked the carcass of the church clean and all they've left behind is Jesus and his good news of a God who is here among us even now, calling us to a new way, a better way of living. And they have left Jesus and his message because they don't know what to do with him or with what he has to say. Now, not everyone who encountered Jesus all those years ago in Palestine chose to follow him. We know that. But there were some people who did. There were a few people from all walks of life, from all corners of the world, who were ready for the good news. And here's what's crazy. That was enough. A few people responding, repenting, believing, and living into this promise was enough. 2,000 years later, we're still here because those people said, yeah, I'll follow you. And it was enough, I believe, because the gospel has not ever been, nor will ever be, reliant upon our efficiency to deliver it or our faithfulness to it. The good news is enough, then, now, and always, because it's a story about God's activity in the world, not our own. I don't know what the future of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church will be. As an interim, part of my job is to kind of figure that out. I don't know. Like every church, like every pastor, every church full of leaders, we're facing unforeseen challenges and obstacles. No one knows what the church will look like after the pandemic. Will people come back? The demographic trends weren't headed in the right direction before COVID. What's going to happen after? What's going to happen is people continue to find new ways, other ways to make connections, to hear great music, to serve their community, and to find the rest and peace they long for. I don't know what the future of Grace Covenant or any church will be, really. But what I do know is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is enough. The gospel is enough for this church in this place to be relevant for years to come. The gospel is enough for you to be a community formed, centered around love. 
The gospel is enough for you to be a citadel of hope and peace in this city, on this corner. The good news of Jesus Christ is enough for you because it provides a way forward in this and every time, a way forward that is initiated and sustained by God. This news was was enough for Simon and his brother Andrew to leave their nets to follow Jesus. It was enough for James and his brother John to leave their father in his boat. (laughs) It was enough to draw all kinds of people to Jesus in the cities and the desert. And I believe it's enough for us today. We don't need to save the world. We simply need to live in it as if we believe God is. Author Lloyd C. Douglas tells a story that I love to share. It's a story from his college years when he lived in a boarding house. An elderly retired music teacher lived on the first floor of the boarding house where he was bound to a wheelchair. Every morning, Douglas would stick his head in the door of the teacher's apartment and ask the same question each day. Well, he would say, what's the good news? And every time the old man would pick up his tuning fork, tap it on the side of his wheelchair and say, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday. It'll be middle C tomorrow. It'll be middle C a thousand years from now. Tenor upstairs sings flat. The piano across the hall is out of tune. But that, my friend, that is middle C. You have a lot of wonderful resources in this church. You have generous people, amazing musicians, a gorgeous sanctuary, an endowment, a rich history, an incredible location. You have a lot of wonderful assets in this church, but only one of them is necessary for you to be relevant. The good news of Jesus Christ. The promise that this is the time when God chooses to break in and offer everyone a new way to live and to love. A way forward that is defined by joy, peace, and love. But most importantly, a way forward that's defined by God's activity in this church and in the world. This is the good news for this and every time. The question is, are you ready to receive it? Amen.